It's been a long time. Oh, that's oh. the wrong one. <laughs> God, it followed us even here. It's been a week, but it's still in my head. Even here. This is the bi-weekly, <laughs> supposed to be, podcast. Sure. Where we answer your most burning questions about Star Trek, sci-fi, and life. We've even answered questions about art on this show. Yeah, we have, actually. We've uh, answered a lot of questions. I'm Jeff. I'm Josh. And we want you guys to write into us at mclassemail at gmail.com. No S. No S. Don't do it. Because I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm very bad at branding. But It's fine. We'll get that SEO up one of these days. What? We'll break 400 listeners one day. Yeah! Our, uh, why don't we hop right into our emails? And First uh, email. If I don't thank you for your email, uh, thank you. Every thank you. Oh, my. Thank you, everyone, for writing in. Our first email is from Alex Newby. What a newbie. Oh, God. That's I bet he's classic. never... He or she. I don't know if it's a she. It could be a she. I don't know. Yeah, Alex is... is uh, gender neutral. Omni, omnisexual. Yeah. All the sex. Mm-hmm. Hey, Trek babes. Trek babes! <laughs> That's a new one. Been listening since the very first episode. Thank you. Wonderful. I love you. Huge fan of all things Josh Tenu. Oh, boy. And now everything Jeff. Hey. Yeah, hey. me too. Jeff's my only reason I listen to this show. <laughs> I don't I'm listen serious. to it. I don't either. <laughs> I edit it, and I'm like, that's fine. Common Rider Podcast? I give that shit five out of five starfish Hitlers. <laughs> wow, is that good? I don't do, know. Do you know about that, by the way? Oh, the the clip with the grave, right? No, no. There's a is that monster, what you're about? There's a monster in Common Rider X, which is like okay. the fifth series. There's it should a, be the tenth one. It really should. But there's a monster in it. Like all the monsters in it are based on historical figures and animals. Uh, so, so it's Japanese. So, so Hitler's like fine a, over there. There's a Scarface. There, no, it's a yeah. Al Capone. There's a baby face. It's like baby face uh, bear or something. Oh my god. And one of them is Starfish Hitler. Yeah. And uh, that makes sense. So five out of five Starfish Hitlers. I love it. <laughs> My morning commute is better for being able to listen to you guys rock out with your Josh out. Nice. There Bless it is. Bless up with your Jeff up. Oh, my God. And 420 phase up till your day's up. <laughs> 420 phase it. <laughs> That's a shirt. That's a fucking shirt. Shirt it. Shirt it. <laughs> my question is this. If you could choose the perfect director slash writer slash producers, etc. for a new Star Trek property... Or to replace those of a previous show or movie. Who would you oh choose and why? Love and Claxons, Alex N. <laughs> well, Seth MacFarlane's doing like a better Star Trek show than anyone's done in the past twenty years. So what I'm hearing. Uh, I, I, I don't I don't know if I would pick him to do it though. I, if he like executive produced it like he did uh the Cosmos, which is uh, amazing. If you haven't watched the Cosmos, yeah, that is watch it. Amazing. You should it's incredible. Yeah. It's an experience. It's a it's fucking wonderful. Yeah. Like it's great. Uh, uh who, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Who did the 
that movie that came out recently, Contact, I think, with like the aliens that they have to figure out how to. Oh yeah. With? Well, that was a Carl Sagan book. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who directed it. I don't Ron, know. Ron Howard, <laughs> maybe. I don't know who did it. Ron Howard could get his brother Clint in, and they could definitely Clint. do some Star Trek stuff. He has to wear the the Ferengi makeup though. <laughs> He has to be the disheveled homeless man from Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Robert Zemeckis directed it. There you go. That, wow. Okay. Maybe Robert I did not, Zemeckis. I, I did not know that. Yeah, that would be that would work. That'd right. Be pretty good. I don't know I don't, if I don't there's think anyone there is a perfect. No, I don't either. I don't know. I, there certainly isn't one now. Mm. Nobody's in the right frame of mind right now to to make a Star Trek. You should get uh, Kubrick to direct Star Trek the Motion Picture. That that would be great. <laughs> if only he, Kubrick's clone could do that. And <laughs> maybe the Duffer Brothers <laughs> from Stranger Things. I don't know, man. I don't know about that. I don't know about that either. Reference heavy, I'll tell you that it, much. It would be super referencey. I don't think it would work either. I don't know. That's a really tough question that we're not going to answer. I'm sorry. I don't. I just don't think there's anyone right now who who could do it. I I, I really. I mean, I I'm sure there is. Um, but if Some it would be like um, it would be like bullshit. Somebody. Yeah, it would be. It, I think it would be like uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Like no one's gonna see it coming. No one's gonna see how great it is when it gets here, That's right? True, but it'll blow everybody's fucking. Socks hopefully, off. whoever that is. Hopefully, I, don't know. I feel like Star Trek's gonna have to have another resting period. I do too. If like Discovery doesn't really get good in well, its it's second not. season. It's not going to get good. Even if it does, no one's going to watch it because it's on that fucking shit. So. I guess it's true. Uh, it could be amazing that's and true. no one's going to see it. It's going to have to have another resting period because like the movies have petered out. Yeah, I don't know if they're making another one. The Discovery is like locked behind a paywall so it's not doing numbers that they want to see. Right. It's, it's going to have to have another cooling off period. I hope it's not as long. Yeah... But I'll understand if it is, and hopefully it was only like five years, right, between the two. Uh, When was when was Nemesis two thousand four or two? I think it was four. So then two thousand nine. So yeah, it felt like a long time though. I mean, I'll understand if they do need that much time. I just want them to come at it with like a perspective that understands that you have to keep, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, you gotta make Star Trek. That's the that's the whole name of the show. Like Star Trek <laughs> has a history to it, and you can't yeah. just throw that out on a whim. Well, they did it with Star Wars too, so yeah. They're it's, like, why would I put a, a bunch of aliens that people have already made? Let's just make new ones and have this be a whole another thing. It's like, what? Like, I don't understand that. Exists for a reason in Star yeah. Trek, especially. Like when they made TNG, TNG was a vast departure from TOS in style and in a right. lot of ways in substance. They still kept the history of Star Trek intact, and they still yeah. like referenced heavily what came before. They stood on the right. shoulders of giants, you know. Yeah, you use you use what you can for your benefit. It, you don't you don't just start over. That's dumb. That's dumb. It's. It also doesn't make for a good Star Trek show. Yeah. 
it's I don't know. We're in like the reboot society now, right? Where like everything right. needs to be completely rebooted from the ground up. Right. And sometimes that works. Like I think everyone is super spoiled with Marvel cuz Marvel can kind of get away with it. Oh uh, yeah, if if a movie doesn't do well for Marvel, they just shelve it for one year and come out with a right. reboot. Right, and like, like the new Spider-Man is like really good. It's like, oh my god, this is a really good Spider-Man yeah, movie. They got it right, right. But that's not going to be the case for like pretty much everything else. It's not going to work no, that way. It's it's because it's comics. There's just sort of understanding that reboots and shit are going to happen. Yeah, that's not it the works way it works well. in everything. And I mean, just think about. Did you see the new Blade Runner? I didn't. Oh man, it's actually pretty damn good. I that's what everyone says. Nick was saying that too. And it's like if that movie would have been a reboot, it would have lost yeah. all of its heart. Yeah. Uh, the fact that it's connected to this world we already know and understand is what makes it work. Yeah, we're going to hopefully come back to that again, hopefully. I hope people The thing is it's going to have to be lucrative. That's the only way it's going to continue yeah. to happen it's, that way it's like original ideas aren't given the same play that they were at a certain point i mean like yeah you think about the 80s like the terminator wasn't anything before right it just it happened. was just it just was a thing yeah, yeah like robocop just happened right all these ghostbusters things, just happened yeah, all these all things, things. Just happened yeah. they, they yeah. weren't based on anything they weren't a reboot of something they were original ideas it yeah. was an original idea and that's like a big risk to take for a studio and when yeah. you're pumping like God, like a billion dollars into a movie, well, like four billion with Star Wars, right? Because yeah, like that's how much it costs like to four get it. Billion fucking dollars into a movie? Yeah, you you just can't take a risk on it. And I, I guess that's why like independent films are getting more play now. Yeah, it sucks, man. Like it sucks that like original shit isn't as. Uh, prominent as it, as it, as we like to think it was at one point like i don't know what's that movie though uh with the f- aliens come and the lady has to decipher the language oh, that's contact. pretty we talked Con- about that a minute ago oh contact i think it's called contact oh one of them i was looking up contact from fucking 1997 contact no not that one oh okay the guy who did contact did um, fuck. What the fuck? It's not contact. It's, it's something it's else. It's not what contact? I don't remember. Contact. Mm. We got all mixed up. Or also, Arrival. It's called Arrival. Arrival. That's what it's and called. It's called Arrival. That movie which, was pretty good. Yeah, it's incredibly good. I really like that it's movie. Dennis Villanueva, and that's the guy who did fucking Blade Runner. So that's oh, why... so that's why. Yeah, like, maybe he that's could why you like a it. really good Star Trek Maybe thing. he could. Uh, yeah, maybe I he could. I think that's my choice, then. I, I'll go with that, too. We answered I, your question finally, <laughs> Alex. In a super roundabout way. We, we got on a couple tangents, but everything's okay now. <laughs> uh, thanks for writing in, though. Thank you. Uh, our next email is from Zach Daniel. Hi. Who says, hey, Trek boys. Trek boys. I was wondering, do you have any special connections to a particular movie or episode? Did you ever see an episode with a, with a significant other or family member that made you really connect to the Trek? Oh, that's a great question. Connect to the Trek. For example, 
The only reason that I enjoyed the shitstorm that is Star Trek 2009 is because I went to see it with my mom, who is a Trekkie, and the reason I got into Star Trek in the first place. That's lovely. During the scene where Spock is flying the red matter into Nero's ship, and one of the Romulans says to Nero, Captain, I've picked up another ship. My mother turned to me in the theater and grabbed my arm because she was so excited that the Enterprise <laughs> was showing up to save the day. That will <laughs> always adorable. stick with me as an excellent moment with both Star Trek and my mom. That's great. That is that's actually crazy, a really, really cute story. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Any similar or touching examples from your Trek times? I don't have anything uh, that touching. No, nothing that compares to that, so I'm not going to even say anything. <laughs> I know uh, I, I know when they played the the actual Star Trek theme at the end of 2009, my my uh, father-in-law like, just yeah. started crying. That's crazy. Because he loves Star Trek so much. That's awesome. That is awesome. Man, uh, I've only ever watched Star Trek alone. Like my, like, my wife and I actually watched all of TNG together, so it's just something yeah. that we constantly quote and talk about back and forth to each other. Yeah. I never watched Star Trek with significant others. Um, just because it just happened that way. No reason, really. I just... Uh, I don't know, but I remember in '96 uh, when First Contact came out. I went to see it, uh, I think by myself, which is like I was like what, like 13 at the time. So like I was just like, drop me off the movies, mom. <laughs> you know, don't come in, don't come with me. And like I think like that was the first time I really like realized like I like I'd always loved Star Trek, but I really realized like oh, this is a universe coming together, like. This this universe is like really. Do you realize amazing. the deeper meaning of it? Like as a kid, yeah. I really like Star Trek, but I didn't understand all these, this world, this universe right. that exists inside of the series. Yeah, it's always been like pretty much something I've like held really close to the vest, and I think maybe that's why I'm so defensive of it is because like for me it's very personal. Oh yeah, and it's like I think your the, world. Yeah, it's like my thing, from. right? Yeah. And I don't want anyone fucking with it. So that if I get upset about, like, Star Trek, it's only because, like, I have trust issues. <laughs> trust issues with Trek. Trek issues. I understand that. I definitely do. Like, up until I watched TNG with my wife, like, I don't think I'd ever watch Star Trek with anybody. So Yeah. And I don't even have a wife. You got me. Oh, never mind. I have a wife. <laughs> Put your wife to bed. I'm your wife. <laughs> <laughs> we put him on the spot because we love him a lot. Welcome back. Um, like welcome back, Connor. Yes. Uh, unrelated. But uh, Zach is the one who had that little uh, snippet thanking you that he wanted not read on the air that I sent you via oh yeah yeah message. that was very nice yes I was super I was uh I was very nice thank you and uh he finishes the email by saying P.S. Jeff is awesome please include him in more things and give him a little kiss for me I will <laughs> yeah everybody <laughs> leaves happy yippee <laughs> Thanks for that email. That was uh, it was a beautiful That's a good email. email. Yeah, that was a really good one. Um, our next we should have like a we should have like a prize or something for the best email, the and they win like email. something silly. I don't know what they could win. 
I don't know. We'll either. work that out. We'll do like a prize for best email. Best so email way, gold chain. So that way everybody who writes in will be angry except one person. Yeah, that's how you do it. It'll be perfect. <laughs> Our next email <laughs> is from Jonathan Long. Hi. Who says, Dear Trek Boys. Trek Boys. Oh, God, Satan's here. It's me, the devil. <laughs> it's Feklar. Oh, God. <laughs> the Klingon devil. I got it. I got you know. It. I know you know. I just they don't mind now. I know Feklar is. Pitch it I'm or ditch it. I'm nerd checking them. Oh, pitch it or ditch it. Fucking shit. Boston Sean Dupree's pitch it or ditch it. <laughs> I got to I gotta tagline that shit for him. Mm-hmm. Since he made it. Uh, Data becomes interested in pimp culture <laughs> and starts lowbrow pimping everyone. Everyone? Since it's the future, all sexes are whored out. But also, since it's the future, people aren't whored out. He just sort of matches people up when someone had a problem and someone else can solve it. Oh my god. It was the 90s, so you can't show boobs on TV. You can't. You can't really now, either. Unless it's Uh, HBO. The the vision in my head of Data dressed like a pimp, just like solving people's problems because he thinks that's what they do, is yeah. hilarious. Yeah, that's that's a really <laughs> int- like just his super zoot suit pimp outfit with a feather boa. And he's just being Data, but he's also just solving people's problems. <laughs> I'm gonna pitch it. I like the idea that Data doesn't understand something, so I think there's something there. There's something in there about pimping. Maybe maybe he's not a pimp, maybe he's like a matchmaker, maybe he's trying to explore love. Pimping ain't easy. And he's trying to set people up, but in in doing so, he's only setting up, like, people who are, like, having problems and, like, needing someone to talk to. I'll, I'll pitch that. You're pitching, like, a serious episode, and I'm pitching, like, yeah. an episode I would never actually want to see, but it's hilarious <laughs> to me. Uh, also, Jeff, since you're from the South, have you had a Casey's General Store sub? If so, is it comparable to Wawa? I have wanna, you ever had Wawa? I have not had Wawa, nor right. have I had a Casey's General Store sub. Yeah, so. you're not really in the South. Like, no. you're not... I'm in a state that thinks they're the South. Yeah. But I'm You're in a state that seceded from the South and yeah. now thinks it is the South. We're trying to make up for it real hard. Yeah. You're going uh, the wrong direction, guys. Go the other way. <laughs> I, I want to eat me some good-ass Wawa, but I don't think I'll be able to make it to Philadelphia and the surrounding area before the U.S. goes Fallout 3 on us. I, I'll answer it for you. Uh, Wawa's better than anything. So you're so far up Wawa's ass. I swear Dude, it's incredible. You were in the back pocket of Big Wawa. Dude, I wish I was. <laughs> Send me money. Look, Wawa, if you want to sponsor this podcast, we will take that money. I will take a free gobbler a month token or pass just to pitch some Wawa. Dude, I'll do that. Like my wife. Is like a huge. She goes to Sheets like every day. Yeah. Because there's one like right on the corner away from yeah. us. And like she went there so often and used the Sheets card that they gave her like this thing called a Sheets Freak card. Holy shit. That you just get one free coffee a day every month. That's awesome. And you can also get one free fountain drink a day with it. You, you get free coffee here at Dunkin' Donuts if the Eagles win. That's dope. 
they stopped doing it because the Eagles have been winning too much. I'm serious. They're like, we can't give free coffee out anymore. <laughs> they did it because they were like, well, it's the Eagles. So. <laughs> right. And they were like, they're not going to win. Oopsies. <laughs> uh, thanks for writing in, though. Thanks for writing in. I'm sorry Good I email. couldn't help you at all. Yeah, I don't, I've never heard of that other thing. Neither have myself. I, actually. Was it Claude's? No. <laughs> I don't remember now, but I've clicked off the email, so it's dead to me. <laughs> wow! Our next email is from David Sandoval. Okay. Who says, What up, Trek Boys? Oh, Trek Boys! <laughs> that always makes me laugh. <laughs> Your show is a wonderful, approachable introduction to any of the Star Trek series, even well, when you, you dislike them. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's the nicest thing I've heard so far. Yeah. In this email. <laughs> I wanted to show you guys this crazy episode list that a friend compiled. He sent okay. ten images of, like, white-lined paper that have, like, lists oh of episodes. Oh, my God. Uh, from what I understand, he tried to create not only a collection of themed sets of episodes, but also right. full-season arcs and pacing. He's really Ooh, deep wow. into the universe, so I'm sure he hid some gems and references throughout that a semi-casual like me won't quite feel the whole impact of. Man, that's awesome. That is really crazy. Ten images he sent me of this. That would be really hard to do, because, I mean, that's kind of like what we do, right? We're thinking of the collections. Yeah, but we're and not having... He didn't have anybody do it for him, like a lazy asshole. Like we're Wow! <laughs> <laughs> That's true, but there's so many things that are similar. Like, there's a lot of episodes that you could put into different categories. That's, That's true. crazy. That's true. <laughs> anyway, I thought this might help spark some ideas for collections. I would suggest just using these for personal viewing too. Oh, I'm gonna use them for personal viewing if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh God, I'm gonna look at them on my free time. This That's what I meant. Gonna Louis C.K. these episodes. <laughs> no. <laughs> no! Oh, I dated this episode so No, far. it's not evergreen anymore. It was definitely not already. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I'm currently doing a watch-through of DS9 with my dad, and I think I'm actually a Ferengi, because those, uh, uh, those are the best episodes. You're a Ferengi because you oh like the episodes. Oh, my God. That doesn't mean you're a Ferengi. <laughs> Love the show. Love you, question mark? I should go. All right. I, I'll take it. <laughs> P.S. Are you guys scared of transporters? I fear that every <laughs> time someone goes through, their soul, their perspective, their awareness dies. And we don't have a soul. Whoa. Nobody has a soul. Sorry to and ruin that it for you. that a reassembled version with all the same memories and body is born on the other end able to check itself and say, oh, I guess I'm fine, and just seemingly replace the previous consciousness. Think about it like a math problem. Everyone is just a walking math problem, so if this machine just, like, does the math and puts you back together again, it's the same thing as just moving from one side of an equation to another, right? Yeah, nothing gets the same number. Yeah, it's the same number, yeah. And the thing is, uh, our soul, for lack of a better word, our awareness is... Our katra is all yeah our katra is all um different chemical balances in the brain yeah and uh different electrical impulses to different points in the cerebellum right all of that is information that can be transported from one point to another uh, yeah sure 
Like, I, yeah. Like, and also the thing that I always point out when people bring up this argument or, like, are worried about it is that uh, every scientist in the universe wouldn't have approved this thing that obliterates you and replaces yeah. you with another person. Somebody yeah, it's not the prestige. That out. There are people on the outside of the equation doing this. Like, someone right. wouldn't create a transporter to kill someone and make a duplicate of them. Yeah, that would be not a thing that they would do. Um, and really, like, I don't know. What they just wouldn't do? use transporters, because they don't for a while, as we saw in Enterprise, right? They're like, well, we don't use that shit. Yeah. They would just never use it if that was the case. It's... It's all mathematics. All of existence is mathematics. Yeah, you're just a number walking through another bigger number. That's which, all that any of this is. Which definitely sucks, because I'm terrible at math. But <laughs> Simple math. PPS. Maybe oh, wow. y'all could uh, try a time paradox or replacing collection. Those That's are also one. scary as fuck. That's a really good one. You should put that in when we put it up as a poll on sure. the Twitter. Sure, on the Twitter, which is uh, at M Class Podcast. I knew that one. Um, <laughs> he points out the episode where Harry Kim gets replaced with an alternate Harry Kim, and no one yeah, cares. Ketten, the Ketten yeah. one, or whatever. And There's a couple of those. Uh, the time traveling one with O'Brien. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry for the long email. Bye. Okay. Uh, thank Good you, ending. David. Great email. Thanks, Davy. Davy. Our next email is from Andrew. Name withheld upon request. Okay, Andrew. Name withheld upon request. <laughs> hey guys, I don't really have a question this week. I just wanted to say that Josh, I also strongly dislike Mark Summers. Thank you. <laughs> I thought I was the only one. At Mark. He stinks. Hope, at Mark, I hope you're listening to this, you tit ass. Damn, he is a tit ass. <laughs> Fuck Mark Summers, man. What is your hatred of Mark Summers? All right, first of all, he's the most passive aggressive asshole ever. Wow. Second of all, he's got crazy OCD. He's a lunatic. Sorry Damn. if anyone has OCD, but like his is really bad. He's boring as fuck, and everyone loves him just because when they were a kid, he hosted every single fucking show that they watched on Nickelodeon, but he stinks at it. I want everyone to know that I'm completely ambivalent to Mark Summers. Yeah, I'm like completely have, ambivalent, too, if it, ambivalent means fuck that guy. No, I have absolutely no opinion on Mark Summers. Yeah. I look at him and I say, uh, oh, it's Mark Summers. But isn't that, like, annoying? Isn't that, like, annoying to you? Shouldn't that guy be better than that? I feel like he should. Well, the thing is, like, Mark Summers was probably eating a sandwich on a bench outside Nickelodeon Studios. And they, they were, just, were like, do you want a job? Yeah. They were just like, we gotta have somebody to host exactly. this shit. Exactly. He's stupid. And then he got a lifetime career on it. It's starting yeah, to make now he's on now. Now he's on Food Network and he's like, I do the show about the candy. And it's like, nobody cares about your candy show, asshole. It is starting to make me mad now that I'm thinking See? of the fact that he has a career still to this day. See? Based on this shit. Fuck him. Uh, I'm still ambivalent. Have no opinion on Mark Summers. I'm getting straight into rage territory He's right now. Hated. <laughs> getting fucking hated. <laughs> uh, we got a longy. We got a longy one here. A longy boy? Okay. Uh, from someone named Poppy. Okay, Poppy, who says, "Ayo, Turek boys, Turek boys." 
I've been meaning to write forever, but I'm lazy and sort of easily overwhelmed by life. Anyway, (laughs) I feel like that and Trek Boys are obligatory at this point. There is a protocol to observe. That's right. That's the prime directive of this (laughs) podcast. Uh, This is just going to be a big old dump of stuff since I finally parked my carcass in front of a keyboard specifically to message y'all. Nice. I understand that if it's too long for the show or, I don't know, save it for a week when you need content. (laughs) That's smart. Uh, I'm going to skip a little bit down here. We'll come back to it if we need content. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Possible episode themes. Okay. Uh, Miles O'Brien didn't deserve all that shit. I love it. I love it. Uh, We were talking about that that one earlier, actually. Yeah, I love Uh, that. Seriously, Trek writers, what the fuck? Dude, he's like a... He's just a whipping boy, dude. Yeah. Uh, what even am Garrick? <laughs> I love Garrick. I do too. Uh, his background, his motivations. Why would he remain loyal to Cardassia after getting utterly burned and exiled? I really like his character and how well he was played by Andy Robinson. Not gonna mm. lie, I read the book Robinson wrote. I think it's called A Stitch in Time. I don't know. And I think he handled the backstory really well, adding a lot while still leaving some open-ended mysteries about Garrick. I would totally read that. Yeah, it's written by Garrick's actor about Garrick's history. It makes sense, because, like, he really is Garrick. Like, I don't think the writers knew what Garrick was totally, and I think he brought that character into the show. Like, he really was like, oh, this is Garrick. Uh, The first time I saw him was uh he was a zodiac killer right in uh in zodiac no he was the ripoff zodiac killer in uh dirty harry uh okay yeah and but the second time i ever saw him before deep space nine he was the um by the books rules lawyer cop in cobra starring sylvester stallone oh my fucking god cobra punches him in the face at the end of the movie (laughs) The only thing I've ever seen him on besides Star Trek is uh like a CSI and he was like a a like a dog eaten by dogs or something. Jesus. Maybe it was X- no, it was X-Files. It was the new season of X-Files he got eaten and he was by eaten dogs. by a werewolf. Yeah. A werewolf. It was a werewolf. Yeah. Wow, that show went off the fucking rails. Dude, that's X-Files, baby. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> Okay, so this theme, I don't know how to title, so let me just describe. One of the aspects of Trek that I have a love-hate relationship with is how the show aims to portray a future in which humanity has grown beyond prejudice and racism, but then then the shows trip and fall on their faces with things like all Vulcans behave the same and have the same haircut and love the same Mm -hmm. foods... Like, the writers fail to overcome today's actual problems of perspective, and it gets reflected in the show. Fuck, naturally, I can't think of any great examples off the top of my head, but you could pick some episodes from any of the series and illustrate it. It's hard in a show to create a level of uh, diversity amongst characters who aren't main characters, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, every so, human being in the background of the series acts pretty much exactly the same. Right. We, maybe the maybe Vulcans don't. Maybe there's a Vulcan who really loves tacos, right? But like, we don't know that. Yeah, I mean, you get a little bit of that in Deep Space Nine with the one Vulcan who's like a smuggler. Yeah, and the yeah. The one Vulcan who's like a fucking serial killer. Yeah. There's difference in Vulcans, but when it comes to like, there would have been a riot 
if a Vulcan showed up and he didn't look like Spock. Like, there would have yeah. been a fucking riot. You have to, right, you have to, like, uh, like, in a, in, a, in the real world, like, let's say Star Trek was real, like, there would probably be Vulcans walking around who have adopted human hair, hairstyles, right? Yeah. Like, that's just the way it goes, especially if they live here. They would just do that. And technically, like, if you look at the Vulcan hairstyles, uh, every Vulcan has a very slightly different version of that hairstyle. Yeah. There, but there are people that love simplicity and and logic, so they're not going to have, like, elaborate hairstyle. Like, they're just not, right? Yeah. I mean, They're like, probably going to just go with the mo, the mo cut. In TOS, the only, like, bowl cut that you see on a Vulcan in, in like, the first season or so is Spock and his dad. And yeah. the other Vulcans all have different haircuts. Like, some of them right. have shaved bald heads. Right. Which continues on into the movies, even. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are Vulcans with different haircuts. It's just, maybe it's like a Starfleet thing. Like, really, if you saw all the humans that are in the military right now, they all have the same haircut. Exactly, so, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Um, I understand what you're saying, for sure, though. Yeah. I just don't know how well that would fit into a theme. There is a little bit of that, but... Uh, I think it's more of a for us type of it's a storytelling uh, uh, what's convention that can't be helped like your character is a wizard in, in, a, in a book you're gonna have to make him look like a wizard he's gonna right? have a big old beard yeah you gotta let everybody know he's a wizard so because mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks weird otherwise like it's, it's cool you yeah. can do crazy cool things that are whatever but like people aren't gonna look at your character and be like that's a wizard Right. It, there needs to be a certain level of fundamental understanding of what this thing is. Yeah, like, you can make a Vulcan look however you want, but people aren't going to look at it and say, that's a Vulcan. You're going to have to explain right. it's a Vulcan every time. You're going to have to explain why it doesn't look like that, too. Yeah. Right? It's Which kind of sucks. It's the nature of media, I think. It's, it's the, the nature, nature of stories. Yeah, yeah, it's the only way that it works with people. Um. Anyway. But that's a good point. Uh, they do do that a little yeah, bit. They do. <laughs> uh, what about an episode of Contrast? Say, pick some favorite characters and then select some excellent and some terrible moments and scenes featuring them. <laughs> That'd be good. That's really good. To pick a character and do like their high and then their low. Their low. That would be great. Highs and lows. Highs like, and lows. We, we can pick like one episode we think like exemplifies like Jordy and then an episode where Jordy's just a total ass. <laughs> where he just gets shit on the whole episode. I know which episode that is. It's the one where he falls in love with Leia Brahms, and she's oh, like, "I'm married." Uh, God, that episode is awful. For it's him. tough. That's a tough one. He's also like a holodeck weirdo in that episode. Yeah, he gets a little holodecky, little Reginald Barkley-ish. Yeah. Uh, do you guys know anything about computer science? No. I know they run on electricity. Is that true? Do they Look run on electricity? Fucking smart boy over here with his hey, college man. degree. I watch Star Trek. I pick some things up. Uh, <laughs> there's an episode of DS9 late in the series where O'Brien and Bashir get trapped in the holodeck and the bad gangsters yeah. take over Vic Fontaine's lounge. Yeah. Anyway, at the beginning when they realize they're stuck, O'Brien references a real-life programming thing called dangling pointer error. Even the name... Uh-huh. I laughed hysterically at this, but I'm probably one of only seven people on the earth that did. So yeah. that is an ex- that is an example of a phenomenon called Knowles' law of media accuracy. You can look it up, but it states that 
if something is in a various medium, media, medii, and only you know about it, you are a part of a an exclusive group of people, and the accuracy of that thing is determined by you, because you're an expert in that field, right? Damn, dude, you learned me something. I didn't know anything about that. The example that they give is really funny. You'll like it, Jeff. It's a... Uh, uh, I guess a newspaper in New York some at some point in the 90s when Cowboy Bebop was uh, a thing uh-huh. <laughs> put a picture of Ed the the girl Ed at a computer <laughs> like in the show and it said the caption was Cowboy Bebop at his computer <laughs> I think I've seen that yeah so that's an example of like that person didn't know what that was, but they printed it in media. But you know what it is, so you know that it's a weird. It's weird. <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's certain stuff like that in some episodes when they start referencing like classical painters and shit. Yeah, and I know exactly what they're talking about. Like there's yeah there's something in TNG where there's this guy describing like a painting technique, and it's supposed to be really boring. Right, and I was like, oh, I know all this. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I love shit like that. Thanks always, dudes. Poppy at bye, Poppy at the Outlaw Jose on Twitter. Okay, I've added you guys a few times here and there, and that's always exciting. But I'm too lazy to do Twitter right and have embarrassingly few followers. That's all right. Well, There's no doing Twitter right. Just no. um, just remember that. Just don't be a Nazi and you'll be fine. <laughs> Hopefully I'm dating this because that, oh, that yeah. ends. <laughs> yeah, that'll be great if it's dated. That'll be uh, great. P.S. Every time you reference Parker Lewis, George Kirk oh undies my. by one one hundredth percent. Oh my god. How did he know? How did you possibly know? That we reference Parker Lewis can't lose. It, it happens like every other episode, though. So it was a it was a fifty fifty shot. <laughs> We're just gonna have to do a Parker Lewis can't lose podcast. <laughs> It'd be short. How be many short seasons podcast. were there? Like I think one, two. I think there were two seasons. Oh, we could blow through that in a day. Uh, double extra PS on that other show we don't mention, Josh. Your stories <laughs> were always better anyway. <laughs> Thank you. That's very nice. That is very nice. <laughs> I wasn't on that show though, so who cares? <laughs> Neither was I for very long. <laughs> oh, oh! That's the saddest shit I ever heard. It's like a self burn. Um, it works. Our next email yeah. is from Chris Pittman. Pittman Pittsman's mustard. Who says hello, Trek men? Trekman. Trekman. <laughs> I've only ever seen Scott Bakula on Quantum Leap, so when I watch Enterprise, I just keep waiting for Dean Stockwell to show up with a cigar and try to hit on T'Pol. He does show up later oh, as a different God. character. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> here's some pitches and some ideas for the upcoming episodes collections. Oh, shit. We're getting so many ideas. This is great. Boston Sean Dupree's Pitch It or Ditch It. <laughs> DS9. Quark smuggles a cute animal into the station, hoping to turn a profit on it. Rom uh-huh. finds it, falls in love, and feeds it after midnight. 
It starts growing larger and larger, and Quark and Rom must continue to creatively hide it from Odo or risk being kicked off the station. All right, I love this. I'm, I I'm, am pitching, I'm pitching this. Yeah, this is amazing. This That's is, great. That is an absolute pitch, sir. That's a super Gremlins slash Stranger Things season two. Fuck yes. Fucking great idea. That's a great idea. Uh, TNG slash Voyager. Oh, God. After Wesley Crusher has fully ascended into a traveler, he meets the super psychic Kess in the fifth dimension, and she flashes her cooch at him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I want to say ditch it. (laughs) Uh... Those are like the two worst characters. Yeah. Oh man, I'm gonna ditch it. Even though the the flashing the cooch on television might uh, <laughs> might get me to watch some of it, I'd like to see how they play that out tastefully on Star Trek. It's um, Kessa's actress flashed her cooch at children. Everybody, if you don't know that story, yeah, uh, I'm gonna. So ditch there you go. I'm ditch gonna ditch it. Ditch also. it like I Sorry. hope that society ditches her in prison. <laughs> She's not in there anymore, no, I don't think. probably not. You don't get that long for that, I think. No, no. Uh, collection ideas. I haven't watched much Enterprise, so I didn't include it in here, but fuck it. <laughs> the time travel collection. Yeah. Which, uh, that's... he included The City on the Edge of Forever from TOS. Sure. You have to. Tapestry from TNG. Oh, yeah. Past Tense Parts 1 and 2 from Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And Before and After from Voyager. Which Those are know. good. Those are really good. Uh, you could do Little Green Men, too, because they, they, you could do all kinds yeah, of ones. that's true. You could definitely... That would have to be like a continuing collection that we keep coming back to. Yeah, there's a ton of them. Uh, the Prisoner Collection. Okay. Which is, of course, TOS Dagger of the Mind, TNG yeah. Chain of Command. Yeah, yeah. Deep Space there are four lights! Yeah, Deep Space Nine is obviously hard time. Oh, is that the one where they go in to the Jem'Hadar asteroid col- penal colony? Uh, I don't know the names. Hard I'm sorry. Time is the one where uh, um, oh no O'Brien goes O'Brien. to fake mental prison. Oh, that's that's great. Yeah, and uh, the Thaw from Voyager. I don't know the Thaw. I don't remember, I don't remember what that, that one is. Either. Is that the one with uh, Amelia Earhart? <laughs> I wish they thaw her out. Can we do an Amelia Earhart collection every time people from Star Trek found Amelia Earhart? Oh, man, there's too many. We I feel like there's more than once. <laughs> uh, twins and Clones collection. Oh, yeah. Of course, TOS is the devil in the dark. The two yeah. Kirks. Yeah. TNG is second chances. Deep yeah. Space Nine is a man alone. And Voyager is faces. There's one on Enterprise, too, with Trip. Well, that twins and clones could be one. We'll put that on yeah, the list. That's a good one. That's a really good one. And uh, he titled his email "Star Trekking Across the Universe." Did you ever look up Star Trekking? Yeah, I've seen it. I think you showed it to me, didn't yeah, you? I think so. There's Klingons on the starboard bow, starboard bow, starboard <laughs> bow. <laughs> Fucking insane. Yeah, it makes you simpler feel, times. It makes you feel absolutely insane when you're watching it. <laughs> um. Our next email is from Sam Lindstrom. Good name. From the Lindstrom Institute. That's the Daystrom Institute? It's, it's the knockoff Daystrom. <laughs> it's the lesser one. It's like a. <laughs> Daystrom's like Ivy League. What's like below Ivy League? Lindstrom is like Yale and Daystrom is Harvard. Are you saying Harvard's better than Yale? Yes. Oh, Harvard wow. is in more movies, so it's better. <laughs> 
I've never been to either of these places, Josh. I've been to Harvard. I know you have, you fucking PhD bitch. <laughs> uh, greetings, Trek boys. Trek boys. I come bearing conversation topics loosely affiliated with the show you like to watch. Oh yeah, I read a li- I read an article. Oh, the name of this email is allegory, more like allegorny. I love it. I'm into which this. Which I love. Um, <laughs> I read an article a little while back that was proposing a crackdown on loose allegory in modern fix- fantasy and science fiction. Oh my god, this sounds like super complicated. The argument they were making was. If these stories are trying to use real-world problems to elevate their material, they need to properly represent them, or they're just misleading their audience. Sure, I agree with that. The example (laughs) they used was the X-Men. Okay. Because the series was always about this or that underprivileged subculture overcoming the prejudice that was holding them down. Right. The article insists it does a disservice to a real-world oppressed group. Right. Or groups when they pair that story with one where superheroes live in a secret mansion and save the world from robots and Holocaust victims. Sure, 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 sure. I can understand that, but... Yeah, I don't think that that's how stories work, though, honestly. Mm. Stories and allegories allow for a wide-ranging variety of of human beings from different age groups, uh, social backgrounds, races, creeds. To understand a, a certain type of thing. Could you imagine so, how boring media and fiction in general would be? If it was real, yeah. If everything just told the issue they're trying to tell you straight up right at right. you. Okay, so let's use X-Men as an example, right? Like, let's say X-Men, in an attempt to make the plight of the mutants more real... Let's say that there is now a gay X Men, which which is great. There is. I think that's there great. Is. There is. There already is one. A, sure. A few of them, actually. Right. But let's say like then that the, all the plight of the X Men gets put onto this one character, it now becomes you, not a story anymore about the X Men, and I feel it like becomes it becomes yeah. cheaper. Right. Way though is the thing. Right. Like, it's something I talked about when we talked about the McKee, which he talks about in a second. Yeah. But. It horribly cheapens the allegory to try and tie the Maquis' plight with the Native Americans because yeah. the Maquis' plight is so paper thin. It like tries right. it almost devalues the Native American plight, which is horrible. Right, the plight of the allegory, the group in question, and the allegory needs a chance to grow on its own and maybe become. Uh, it, it might it might say something that you never thought was going to be said, right? Yeah. That's how stories evolve and get good. So the way the way it would be like more than just having one X Men that's gay, it would be like okay, now well, all the X Men are gay, and the right. plight is also about like exactly acceptance exactly. of their sexuality. Right. But now they have a gene that like makes them gay that could be like. Right, exploited or changed. And, like, right, right put in sure. Somebody, because that's how the sure. X gene works. Right. Like, you run into all these horrible, horrible pitfalls with, like, allegory yeah. has to be as heavy handed as humanly possible. Yeah, allegories are blunt instruments, generally speaking. And I know we all like to think we're super geniuses now because we have the internet and we can look up other people's opinions and make them our own. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. But, like, the point of a story is to get something out of it for yourself. 
That's the only point of a story. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it doesn't really matter what other people think about it. It's what you yes. got out of it. It's what you get out of it. And I feel like allegory goes a long way for that. Especially, like you were saying, like, people of any race, color, creed, sexuality, anything. Yeah. Like, people who wouldn't pick up a book to begin with about, like, Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm right. X and, like, their right. difference of opinion and stuff. Like, the reason why I read books and articles and stuff about the difference in methodology between Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm yeah. X was because as a kid I read X-Men and right. they mimicked that difference of ideology. Yeah, Magneto and, and right. Professor X and Magneto. Right. And like looking back on that as an adult I was like, "Wow, that's really cool. I want to learn more about this." And it helps yeah. you grow as a person that way. It opens doors. It isn't if you want to learn about history, read a history book or take a history class. That's the thing. If you want to know about the issues that are like really hitting people today, there are stories that do that. I don't think right. every story has to, though. I no, feel no. Like allegory I, has its place. Like widespreading, thin allegory has its place in fiction. Yeah, you can't. You can't. Like, you can't. <laughs> you can't educate people through allegory in 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 the sense of like. That's like the Bible. Now we're getting into like Bible territory, where like the story now it becomes like the most important story. It's like it's just one story, and you can get many things out of it. Yeah. You know, uh, it's weird. It continues. Okay. At first, I agree with I agree with this idea. You guys have talked before about the Maquis are a mess conceptually because the connections they try to make with Native American history are so disconnected right. and inaccurate. But with the example this article used being the X-Men, that got me to thinking about what this accuracy-to-real-life standard really implies. Exactly. Is there, exactly. is there no room for fantastical elements in a story about tragedy? Is there no place for a creator to build off and away from reality in order to create something new that emerges as something more compelling than the sum of its parts? Yeah. We used to talk about this in history class. Like, There's no way to know what somebody did... Like the morning of the declaration of independence like before they decided to do that mm -hmm. like and did those things go into that day like did all the the sum of those th parts make that happen in that day yeah, we it's, only have the document we don't have the right and that's a huge problem with the document that keeps coming up is we don't have the intent behind it either Besi yeah besides like going back in time and like like looking at everyone and like writing down well today George Washington took a shit like but does I'm that sure even matter did. I'm sure he did yeah but does that even but like does that matter did then that's the question to do with it? did he like have right. like a lot to think about when he was taking right. a shit yeah does that play into the thing so how far do you want to go right like where do you stop it's uh I, I agree there's there's a slippery slope <laughs> it's right? just yeah it's just a very uh, you can you can easily say like oh well this isn't accurate but it's like things are not going to be hist history isn't math it's not it's not pretty all the time right like you don't know exactly the what happened and sometimes you just have to like live with that you know yeah um, and that's what stories are too stories can fill in those gaps and give us a better understanding even if it's right. not about that specific subject right that's their job. Um, not to be not to be the subject. 
how much of our established fictional storytelling is comprised of people looking at the world around them and saying, how about this, but with dragons and gnomes or fucking whatever? <laughs> uh, where would the Gorn be if allegory was held to such a high standard of accuracy? How much Gorn would we lose to this? <laughs> I'm a Gorn, a Gorn addict, so I'm all about uh, the Gorn. So I love, I love Gorn. Uh, yeah, this is a really good question. Oh my god! So I wanted to raise the question to you guys: Where do you draw the line when it comes to allegory being accurate versus it being used as its own thing? What needs to be maintained in an idea before it loses that connection it was built on? Do you think creators are responsible oh for their audiences misinterpreting their work just because they weren't super clear about this what is they like were going for? The, this is too much questions. This is too much. This is too big. Let's, I will say this. I will this say down. this. Here's what I believe fundamentally. Okay. I follow the, like, the Joseph Campbell thought that like fundamentally every human being on this planet... Whether you live in a cave or you grew up in a mansion, has the same stories inside of us because of just the mechanism that we exist in. The human like existence makes us believe and think the same type of stories over and over and over and until forever, till we're not here anymore. That's true. That's what I think. So I don't know. Like when it comes to like misinterpreting things, like I I think that that's internet culture. A lot of it, you know. It's I don't draw the line when it comes to allegory. The only line I draw when it comes to allegory is when you have attached yourself to a real world issue, right, or a real world plight of a people's, and you completely misrepresent it. Sure, that's my only line. You can do as yeah. broadly sweeping an allegory as you want. Yeah, I mean, they did ha- some of the best shit ever is that way. Right? Like X-Men, right? It's yeah. a super broad thing. Like, and it, it <laughs> awakens some people to understand that not right. everybody is treated the same as they are. Right, and exactly. That's like, I mean, you develop empathy from the stories you read, right? From mm-hmm. the people you're like exposed to growing up and the stories you read as you're growing right. up and getting older. That's where you learn empathy for your fellow man. And, right. you know, it's, it's, you can't put, like, the heaviest-handed issues of today into stories for, like, six-year-olds. They're not going to understand it, and they're not going to get anything out of it. Yeah, and it won't, it won't last throughout time, either. Like, who the fuck cares what we're doing right now, honestly? But, I mean, like, like you take something that's happening now and you turn it into a universal, right? Right. And... Like, the X-Men, for example, it's, like, very broad, but you learn that, like, bigotry exists. It's timeless. It's timeless, yeah. Like, you you learn as a child that bigotry and hatred can exist in a way that's, like, wrapped in a sort of colorful bow. That you can be right. like, why are they treating Wolverine this way? Like, why do they hate right. the Beast? And you learn because he's different. Right. And you as a kid, you have that little fork in the road, right? Where you're either just like, oh, well, this is just a fun story, whatever, who cares? Or, or you decide that it means something. Yeah, or you right. decide like, well, I wouldn't treat the beast that way. He's a exactly. good guy. Exactly. And you learn empathy that way. That's how, that's how it works, yeah. And, you know, if you're like, oh, well, the allegory has to be like a racial allegory, right? And like, yeah. it doesn't, ha- it shouldn't be superheroes, because... It's silly that it's superheroes. 
This sounds like a hot take article that somebody was trying to make a hot take on about something that's existed since the beginning of writing and storytelling. Yeah, I mean, there's there's that sort of, like, push to make everything more real in everything. Yeah. Which uh, is a horrible mistake in my book. It's 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 not a great idea, no. Like, I, I can't <laughs> stand that push for the most part. Yeah. Like, when people watch a movie or read a book or play a video game and they're like, oh, I didn't like it because it wasn't realistic. I'm like, well, you're an idiot. Well, yeah, like, like, what, like, that's the whole point. If I, yeah, like, here's the thing. I live in reality. It's fucking not great all the time. I want to, like, go to another place. Like, yeah. what about imagination and like some dude, the holodeck in my brain? Like, like that's where I, I want to go. With was talking mm-hmm. about the Ninja Turtles movies, right? And yeah. he was like, yeah, I like those new Ninja Turtles movies a lot better. And I was like, the Michael okay. Bay ones? And he okay. was like, yeah, I like those a lot better, because they're, like, way more realistic. I can't oh, handle wow. that kitty shit, like, making it yeah. all unrealistic. And I was like... I don't like when my pizza-eating, skateboarding turtles are in a not-realistic situation. I'm really... I hate that, too. I was like, are you... <laughs> are you, like, brain-damaged? <laughs> Like, and Listen, Jeff, my pizza-eating, skateboarding, partying turtles need to go to the bank every now and then, and I want to see it. <laughs> There's that quote by George R. R. Martin, right? Mm. And George R. R. Martin's a great author, whatever. I'm not going to say anything bad against him. But there's this quote where he's like, I could never get into Tolkien's writing because I always wondered, like, what was uh, Aragorn's tax policy when he was <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. my answer to that, George R. R. Martin, is who gives a fuck? Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a fucking over story. When he's the king, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. There is no story. That's the point. Write that story if that's what you want to do. Write it. And he right? did. And he did. And then every book that he writes is like. And then Tyrion sat down to break his fast, and it's like I don't give a fuck about him eating breakfast. <laughs> I don't care. Unless you're, like, talking about the fucking, like, sinews of his muscle, like, stretching against the turkey meat that he's eating and his bronze skin glistening. This could either be Conan the Barbarian or porno. I'm just realizing that I'm Well, that's, there's little, there's little difference. There is a very thin line. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole other topic. Uh, fuck it's that this is the hardest like most in-depth question i think we've ever gotten yeah it's a very it's very difficult question uh it's just it's a it's very long i mean we could talk about this for like two weeks you and i this could be the longest podcast in history yeah yeah this is a super huge question on its way right now so (laughs) um so let's say that that's the answers that we're giving you uh Sam concludes his email by saying, Also, I really dug your Inktober stuff on Twitter last month, Jeff. Oh, yeah, Jeff. Oh, thank you. I liked it, too. I was retweeting the shit out of it. I appreciated that. I definitely I'm just did. telling you, in case you forgot. I'm, I'm, I, I did I that. I keep track of all your good boy points. Don't worry. Yes! <laughs> thank you, though. Like Anybody that's into my art, I'm like super thankful for. <laughs> Uh, and Josh, I listen to Pretend Friends. How many cool podcasts does a boy gotta do before he gets on Wikipedia? 90? Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Great job as always, Trek Boys, and happy trails. Trek Boys! Trek Boys! That was a great email. I wish we could yeah. spend a whole show talking about that. Crazy, 
crazy shit. <laughs> Our last email of the night. Oh shit. Is from Joel. Joel? Who's his last name? I know a Joel. His name's Joel Har. That's my cousin. God really? damn it. Yeah, I knew it. I oh fucking knew God. it. Oh my God. This asshole is getting a fucking question asked on my podcast. <laughs> you gotta answer it too. You gotta <laughs> answer it. Oh my God. Now I'm on the spot. Okay, let's do uh, this. He starts the email by saying, Hey, you guys. <laughs> I'm new to interacting with podcast creators via email or by other means. Hell, I'm new to interacting with anyone in general, so bear with me if this is That's the best correspondence you've ever received. We'll talk about him in high school at another point in time. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm throwing him <laughs> under the bus. As for the status of my Star Trek knowledge, I watched all of TNG and I'm now halfway-ish through season three of DS9. Yeah, I keep pushing him. I'm like, you gotta watch all of it. <laughs> My exposure to TOS and Voyager and any movie is spotty at best as of now. I've watched a fair amount of random Voyager episodes recently while spending many weeks in a hotel room while yeah. I was away on business. Yeah, he's like my... I don't have a brother or sister, so he's like my brother, so like... Aww, that's cute. Yeah, he he worked, he worked like, at, at a hospital, like, this hospital thing, so he got to watch Voyager. That was his, his like, go-home-to-the-hotel-room prize for the day. <laughs> It's pretty much what he wrote. <laughs> the, he would go back and liquefy, yeah. his brain liquefy to recharge for the week by watching Voyager. Yeah. <laughs> and he strongly agrees with Josh's take on it being low risk, low reward. Yeah. And it's, it, yeah. it holds a special place in his heart because of that. Uh, but not in the main <laughs> artery. <laughs> it's candy. It's like Star Trek candy. He, Can't he live off of candy. It does kind of suck, though. Yeah, there's 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 plenty of episodes where you're like, I could skip this one. What I know of them, I know from M Class Podcast. Basically, you yeah. spoil me constantly, but I welcome it. <laughs> uh, lately, I've been finding an urge to discuss certain episodes with somebody, anybody, after I watch them, but I have no one in my life who would be interested in them. Oh my god, get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking idiot. <laughs> So I felt moved to send you an M-Class email about it. After all, we don't ha all have a direct line to discuss these things with Josh whenever we feel like it. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> okay, I read this earlier and was like, wow, leave me out of it, right? But now I know why. Yeah, because he can fucking just text me whenever the fuck he wants. Uh, you <laughs> I live like three blocks away from this person. <laughs> Uh, you asked for some theme requests and episodes which would work well with those themes. Recently, <laughs> I really enjoyed the past tense two-parter episodes. Yeah. Aside from the standard moral lessons, which we all love so much, I found the short scenes where Kira and O'Brien were beaming in and out of different time periods looking for their friends to be some of the funniest unexpected comedy I've seen today. Yeah, yeah. I was howling uncontrollably. <laughs> It was a perfect break from all the seriousness of the Bell Riots. I don't know. Maybe it was just me. No, I like. Yeah, the they so. they go back to like they go back to like the '60s and they run into like like it's like the scene from um from fucking Futurama when uh Zoidberg goes back in time and meets Andy Warhol and Andy Warhol's like a lobster man. How, what a bore. <laughs> it's like the exact same scene it as that. Pretty much is. <laughs> That episode could uh, fit easily into two themes, time travel episodes or multi-part episodes. That would be like oh, every Oh, that's episode. a super good one. 
No, I think he, yeah, he means like double, like like co- to be continued. Oh episodes. yeah, that is a really yeah. good one. I'll yeah, that's that what on he the means. List. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm sure there are other episodes that fit in those themes, and you'd like me to give you more examples of those, but I'm going to leave that to you, the experts. <laughs> that's what we pay you for at some point, theoretically, in the future. <laughs> this guy should oh, be have his own podcast. Yeah, I know. While I was driving home from work <laughs> listening, I had other ideas for themes, but it's late now, and I can't remember shit, so I won't even try. Maybe that's an <laughs> M-Class email for another day. Oh, yeah. Uh, one last thing, Jeff. On several occasions now, you've caught yourself speaking with a southern accent, and you seemed ashamed by it. <laughs> Josh likes to tell you that he doesn't even notice your accent, but I think he's just trying to make you feel better. You actually oh. sound southern as shit. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, no, not really. I'm just screwing with you. <laughs> Dude, I was reading that, and my blood pressure was just racing. I was like, what? What? <laughs> Yeah, you didn't know. Yeah, well, now you know. That's, yeah. What in tarnation? What the hell? Anyway. All my southern blood. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, what I'm actually trying to say is, fuck it, man. You talk the way your life experience dictated you would talk. No shame who you are or where you come from. Yep, there you go. But seriously, watch Battlestar Galactica. You should be fucking ashamed of yourself. Yeah. He's. I think he's a bigger fan of Battlestar than Jesus. I am. Jesus. One day, guys. Get off my fucking bike, Josh and Josh's cousin. We both love Katie Sackhoff a lot, so. Fucking Josh and Joel. All you J motherfuckers. My whole family is like J names. It's fucked uh, up. Your brother Jeff. And my brother Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, though. There's, there's always like... It's like a weird double-edged sword being from yeah. West Virginia because, like... I don't notice it. Honestly, I don't notice it. There's, like, a... There's, like, this weird sort of, like, pride about it. So it's, like, my family came up from absolutely fucking nothing yeah. off a boat from Ireland and just yeah. came to West Virginia and just started, like, working in coal mines and shit. Yeah. And, uh, like, it's a beautiful state, but the people in it are fucking awful. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you don't have schools. Yeah, what? <laughs> like, there are good people here for sure, but they're all yeah. the same people that are like me that are like, man, this place fucking sucks. I'd like to get yeah. out of it. That's, I think, part of it too. Is like everyone leaves, right? Yeah. So There's that's kind of how here. it is here. There's no business here, right? Yeah, it's not. It's I know, I know. Like, what I'm that's trying like. to move near like some place where I can get work, like. Either whether that be Pittsburgh or Philly or somewhere in Maryland. Well, if you move to Philly, you'll have some sex work to do. Oh, with me, Josh. <laughs> You're being real literal today. You're just saying what you mean. Josh doesn't get that literal. You can't <laughs> third just, person literal. You can't just say how you feel. <laughs> that makes me angry. <laughs> Um, I'm pretty sure at some point we had an email from Steve, but I don't know what the fuck happened to it, so sorry. Oh, what happened? Steve. Sorry, Steve. It got lost somewhere. I saw, I'll, instead of the email, I'll tell you something that I saw from him, that it was snowing around him the other day. No, wait, I found it! Shit, there goes my great snow story. Fuck. I actually found one from Boston Sean Dupree as well. Jesus Christ. Who writes, hey, Reba boys. 
<laughs> Reba boys. Reba boys. <laughs> were we talking about Reba? Is that what we were doing? I don't remember. I think we I may think have we were. mentioned. I it. think we were. Yeah, I think we were. Big fan of Future Shotgun here. <laughs> I do love that he has a like the farmer at the beginning has like a yeah. laser shotgun. Yeah, it's like what kind of gun is that? I always I wonder know. that. They call it like a plasma rifle or something. Yeah, I guess it just shoots like like a like a flashé gun, right? Like yeah. it's like a superheated gun, like bullet or something. Yes. I don't know. Uh, that was a pretty cool episode. And most Star Trek that I've seen, each episode only has two to three sets. Uh, yeah, there's like a set yeah. in a thing. I get it. Yeah, like uh, like yeah. This was kind of like a movie. We went all over the place. Yeah, it really made the series feel fresh. I have no doubt that this pilot had the biggest budget of all the pilots we've watched so far. I don't know if that's true, but Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. We went to Brazil. We went to Kronos. We went to Sulaban Place. <laughs> we went to two, count them, two space stations. <laughs> we went to fucking Space Detroit. Anyway, I don't want to talk about budget or set designs or anything like that. I want to talk about the title sequence and theme song. What the fuck was that? I'm telling you, man, it's the UPN effect. It's the it's the 2000 early 2000s TV. Things needed to be soft and fuzzy around the edges because your mom is gonna watch it with her new husband, your stepdad. <laughs> I'll never call him stepdad ever, <laughs> never, never. Uh, now, while I do think Rod Stewart is sexy, and I do want his body, he does not uh-huh. invoke space drama. <laughs> in light of that, I want to play a special edition of Boston Sean's Pitch It or Ditch It. Oh my god, what a what a segue. One, Star Trek Enterprise theme by Boys to Men. I would be into that. Philly pitch Philly represent it. Boys to Men. Fucking Motown Philly's back yeah, again. Yeah, Motown Philly back again. Hell yeah, pitch it. Two, Star Trek Enterprise theme music by Danny Elfman. He will supply the lyrics. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, it would be better than the one that they have, yeah. so sure, I guess. I love Danny Elfman. St- Star Trek Enterprise theme music by Electric Light Orchestra. Definitely. Full ELO. Dude, I fucking love ELO. You could just put its magic on yeah. the screen. It would be. It would work. Dude, fucking Twilight. Just play Twilight. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I fucking love ELO. I'm not gonna lie to you. They're great. I agree with that statement. Or the correct answer... Four Star Trek Enterprise theme by David fucking Bowie. Oh my God! What like Space Oddity? Hell yeah! I'd pitch that. I'd it's too. It's too depressing. I here's what I think you could definitely do, uh, especially in this series, right? Like you could do what 2009 desperately wanted to do with with Beastie Boys, but pick something like like uh like from the, from the 70s, like a classic rock song, and just put it in. And have it be the theme song. Like you could totally do that for this do show. A magic carpet ride. You could do magic carpet ride. Okay, it's no. a little on the nose, but it would work. <laughs> Fucking Zephyr Cochran loves it. Yeah, you could totally do that. Uh, now that we're on the topic, please rank the series title sequences. Do your oh best my God. to just ra- do your best to just rate the title sequence, and don't just put Voyager on the bottom because you like that series the least. Thanks. Jeff, I would say for my email. And if any other emails pitch or ditch a series crossover with Quantum Leap, please tell them that we all already thought of that. Sean. <laughs> he's, he's stamping his so trademark. Bitter. So I bitter. Know, a little bit. 
What's the best one? It, the best one probably is Voyager. Because mm. it has the ship in it, and you get to fly by all this cool space stuff. Well, TNG does that. Yeah, but it's it's old, and it doesn't look right. Mm. I don't it's know. weird. TNG is for me. Because I love the that so- theme song. The song, yeah, yeah, for the song TNG, yes. Uh, Honestly, like... I don't. I'll, I like Faith of the Heart, ironically, <laughs> which I at least like more like than Deep Space Nine's theme. Deep Space Nine is the worst. It, like the the visuals of the Deep Space Nine opening are great. They're, they're also very boring, though. Yeah, yeah they're, they're a static, yeah. but they're, they spice it, it up. They throw a couple guys in there in season three. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'd say probably. I don't know. I still don't like Enterprise's theme. It'd be the bottom. <laughs> I, I think you have to pick Enterprise as the worst yeah. because of the song. So it's like TOS. It's like TNG, TOS, Voyager. Yeah, TOS is great. Uh, That's true. Yeah. Then Deep Space Nine, and then... I would agree with Enterprise. that list. I'll, I'll go with that list. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Boston Sean Dupree. Great question. Thank you for your pitch it or ditch it. <laughs> and Steve's email... We finally found it. Oh my god, here we go. Oh my god. Um, so you finally got to Enterprise. Congrats and I'm sorry. <laughs> I love you and we will get through this. Just take deep breaths and suck down that scotch. We're gonna we're gonna love every second of this. Uh, I had this series running in the background while writing parts of the next episode of my podcast, Don't Feed <laughs> After Midnight. There you go, Great Had to name. get that plug in there. It's a great name. And it kept distracting me, but not in a good way. Oh, no. I suppose most of my issues with the series stem from the fact that they almost had it right. The stories, for the most part, looked good at a glance. However, the story arcs were far too long and took one or two seasons to finish. This limited yeah. the writer's ability to pitch new stories, I'm sure. Well, the the main story in the show, right? Like, This is the first Star Trek that when you're going into it as a Star Trek fan, you know where they're going. Yeah. Like, it was going to be the Romulans. It was always going to be the Romulans. So how they got to that point is important, and I think they do a good job of it, I, but they never get the, no you opinion. never get the payoff. I haven't seen it, so I don't know, everybody. I think they do a good job of it, because they, they tease you with a Romulan episode pretty early on, and, uh, it's great. It's a great episode. So, I I'll stick up for the show all day long. I love this show. Um, but I understand if you don't. I get I'm it. I'm gonna be like jumping around here a little bit because he wrote a fucking novel. Uh, <laughs> the oversexualization of T'Pol was all also off-putting. I mean, yeah. you can make a character sexy and interesting without stripping her nude four times a season and dressing her in a '90s tracksuit that's one size too small. That does look comfortable, though. <laughs> it does. The fabric looks really comfortable. It looks soft as hell. Uh, there was something mildly sexually exploitive about it. I'm no white knight here, but trust me, uh, trust me. But it just struck me as kind of immature and crude. Some. Oh no! Well, again, it's because it's on UPN. Like yeah. it's which just they were totally in, doing that. Yeah. He said, like he says, it just wasn't in tune with what Trek had represented up to that point. I mean. Yeah, it's it's weird how sort of regressive it is because like people right. like make fun of Uhura wearing the short skirt, right? Like, oh, you could see right. her butt sometimes. Yeah, and then T'Pol is like stripping naked four times a season. Yeah, 
and people don't really point that out very often as being yeah strange strange it's the, the reason they did it is for ratings which is shitty that's a shitty reason and the, and it shouldn't be that way i agree with that uh but it was 2001 so you know <laughs> i don't know like that's not that's not that doesn't mean it's okay but like that's why they yeah. did it that's all i'm saying that's the only reason um, if it were now, they wouldn't do that stuff. No, well, maybe. I mean, the fuck. Well, maybe they would. In the darkness, had the panty scene. Yeah, but that's because a ding dong wrote that shit. Yeah, uh, he gets into a pitch it or ditch it kind of thing, I guess, where he talks about like a uh, like Marvel's what if comics, where like things are just slightly uh, right. different. Oh, they have a Star Wars one like that, Star Wars Infinity, oh, yeah. where like. Yeah, it does all the movie, all three of the original movies, and like uh, the first one, I forget what happens, <laughs> but something changes slightly, which changes the whole story. Yeah, like the, that's like the, all the what ifs are like that, but they're like yeah. self-contained. They don't. Yeah, there's right. Yeah. So it's like exactly. What if T'Pol never got over her addiction to Trellium D? What if uh-huh. she just went insane and started killing anyone who found out about her problem? Well, they they. They would have to kill her, I guess, yeah. right? Being so smart and capable, she could eliminate crew members without leaving traces, make their deaths look like <laughs> accidents, or focus the susp- suspicion onto other people. Do you like Star Trek, Steve? <laughs> they, like, like... The thing with Trellium is, like, they're, like, crazy zombies. Like they're all, not, like, smart, Like, you all know? of his emails are about people murdering or becoming, like, drug fucking pushers. Yeah. Or, like... I know. I know. Cannibalism and shit. That's Steve. That's our Steve. Steve. That's our Stevie. Um... She would she'd be driven ravenously insane and eventually eliminating the entire crew until she was left alone. That would be terrible show. Her I would not the watch expanse that show. on an empty ship with only the ghosts of her crewmates and the late captain's dog to keep her company. <laughs> if only he didn't keep staring at her with those accusing eyes. Dot dot dot. <laughs> the dog fade out to Q and the Watcher from the Marvel universe looking into the emptiness of space and Q saying see wouldn't the fabric of the universe be more interesting if you pull a thread here or stitch a hole there Think oh of my the god Q now one thing I we don't watch. get in Enterprise is Q no Q in Enterprise no that'd be weird it's too much um I'm gonna ditch it real hard <laughs> that sounds like a good ghost story I would tell that ghost story at a at a camp camping yeah, that'd time. be a campfire story for sure yeah. all right we got time for one more we're, we're like right. fucking jesus we're like fucking jesus in the butthole i mean jesus what? fucking jesus in the butthole <laughs> starting a new trend <laughs> our last email of the night is from eric bogan great name who says hey boys hi I've been waiting to ask this until you got to Enterprise, but what do you think of the opening themes for each show? Oh, we already answered this. Fuck! Oh. Well. Aww. But he did sign it Junior Science Officer Eric Bogenschutz, which I thought was That's great. just adorable. I love That's that. That's awesome. Everybody give yourself Star Trek titles when you write Yeah, that. oh, hell yes, please. I want that shit. Um, you know what? I think that's all for tonight. I do, too. I want to thank everybody who wrote in. You guys are all great, even if some of you have some weird fucking ideas about what Star Trek should be. (laughs) Uh, I want to thank Josh for being my co-host. Thank you, Jeff. 
And uh, I want you guys to all tune in next time for M Class emails. Or next time. Yeah, next week is M Class podcast. Sure. And the that, week afterwards is M Class emails. We're definitely on schedule now. Yeah, we're oh. We're definitely on schedule. We're totally on schedule. This will give us some cushion room, right? Some right? Oh yeah, no, for sure, for sure. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, <laughs> thanks everybody, and tune in next time for more Star Trek and goodness. Bye. Bye.